find ourselves in the midst of one big story at the time in which God's discipline has come to his people. Uh, it is the time that God exiles his people from Jerusalem and takes them to Babylon. It is interesting and it's significant to note that there are three major prophets whose ministries overlap during this time period. Uh, the, the, the four major prophets are Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. And the last three of those, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel, all three of their ministries overlap in this time frame that we will look at today. This morning I want to look at the prophet Ezekiel, and I'd like you to turn in your Bibles this morning if you would. All right, all right, we can respect that. We're going to read a lot of scripture, and so we have a lot of ground to cover uh, this morning. Uh, as we look at Ezekiel, the interesting thing is that even though three major prophets prophesied during this time, um, and they all have similar messages, they encounter, they experience God in a different way, and especially Ezekiel in the way that he experiences God. Notice with me in Ezekiel chapter 1, and uh, we've got a lot of scripture to read this morning, and hopefully just a few words from the pastor, maybe more. Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 1. Now it came to pass in the 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river Chabar, that the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. On the fifth day of the month, which was in the fifth year of King Jehoiachin, Chin, I'm sorry, in the fifth year of King Jehoiachin's captivity, the word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel the, the priest, the son of Buzai, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Chabar, and the hand of the Lord was upon him there. Uh, I want you to see uh, the time frame that we're talking about here. Uh, and there's some dates there and some kings and there's some locations. But if you'll note that Ezekiel is in the land of Babylon. And um, we talked about last week in Daniel that there were three waves of King Nebuchadnezzar's coming and taking uh, the land of Judah and, and specifically Jerusalem. He comes in 605 and he takes the cream of the crop, which includes Daniel. Uh, in 597, he comes and he takes another group, which includes Ezekiel. And so Ezekiel comes in that second wave. He finally comes in 586 and he destroys uh, the city of Jerusalem. He takes the rest of the people. He destroys the temple. He hauls off everything. Everything is leveled uh, at that point. What I need you to see uh, time-wise is that Ezekiel's ministry starts from the time of his exile, which is 597, but there's another 10 years before Jerusalem is destroyed, and then he prophesies for another 10 or 15 years after that. So part of his book is before Jerusalem falls, part of it is afterwards, but the interesting thing as he summarizes his book in these first three verses, is that God gives him a vision of God himself. And we see that in chapter 1 and actually for a couple chapters in Ezekiel. Ezekiel is a prophet that saw 
visions. And I want to trace that out this morning and really ask the question, why? Why does God show him these things? Now, Ezekiel also has words in between the visions, but it is the visions that are the connecting thread throughout the book. It is summarized to say that it was visions of God. And so in chapter 1, he sees, uh, you'll have to read this later, it's the cherubim, uh, which are the, the angelic beings. And then there's this vision of wheels within wheels, but come to verse 26 of chapter 1. This is what is significant. After all of the, the heavenly environment, this is what he came down to. And above the firmament, over their heads, that's the cherubim, was the likeness of a throne in appearance like a sapphire stone. On the likeness of the throne was a likeness with the appearance of a man high above it. Also from the appearance of his waist upward I saw, as it were, the color amber with the appearance of fire all within it. And from the appearance of his waist and downward I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire with brightness all around. Now, Ezekiel's doing the best he can to describe this. Verse 28, like the appearance of a rainbow in a cloud on a rainy day, so was the appearance of the brightness all around it. And here it is. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. So when I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard a voice of one speaking. There is a vision of the throne of God. Part of the significance is he sees the cherubim and the wheels within the wheels, whatever that was. But the significance was he lifted up his eyes and up above all of that was a throne. And he does his best to describe that throne. Part of the significance here, and we need to understand this, because what Ezekiel sees is a visible manifestation of the glory of God, the radiance of God's presence. But get this with me, people. It says it was in the likeness of the glory of God. <laughs> the only way we will see the fullness of the glory of God will be in heaven. That's why the Bible says that no man can see God and live. It was almost as if he, he wants us to see a veiled likeness of the glory of God. But part of the significance in the story, when Ezekiel looked up and he saw the glory of God, his only response, which was appropriate, was to fall down. Not even when he saw the fullness of the glory of God, only when he saw the likeness, the veiled glory of God was so unbelievable that he falls down. And so in Ezekiel, God, for whatever reason, we'll, we'll look at it here in just a minute, shows Ezekiel the manifestation of his glory, the radiance of his presence. He gives him a vision 
of the throne room of God. Now, I think there's a reason. Part of the, the reason. So why in the midst of what Ezekiel was going through and as he would relate this to the people, why is it they needed to know? Because there is a simple answer here. That they needed to know that God was still on the throne. Regardless of the circumstances you pass through, Ezekiel, the people, whenever the Babylonians come, whatever is taken away from you, know that God is still on his throne and no human being will ever take the glory of God. But there is something even beyond that. In chapter 3, verse 22, it says, Then the hand of the Lord was upon me there, and he said to me, Arise, go out into the plain, and there I shall talk with you. So I rose and went out into the plain, and behold, the glory of the Lord stood there, like the glory which I saw by the river Chabar, and I fell on my face. Now we're just tracing this out through the book of Ezekiel. He first encounters God. He sees a vision of God by the, uh, a man-made canal, which is the river Chabar, which runs off the Euphrates uh, in, in Babylon. And so he sees him there, and then he takes him out to the plain and he sees that same image of God again. So we're, we're tracing out this vision. We come to chapter 8, verse 1. And it, and it came to pass in the sixth year, in the sixth month, which is about a year from the first vision. On the fifth day of the month, as I sat in my house with the elders of Judah, sitting before me, that the hand of the Lord fell upon me there. Then I looked, and there was a likeness, like the appearance of fire, from the appearance of his waist and downward fire, and from his waist and upward, like the appearance of brightness, like the color amber, okay? He stretched out the form of a hand, and took me by a lock of my hair, and the Spirit lifted me up between earth and heaven, and brought me in visions of God to Jerusalem, to the door of the north gate in the inner court, where the seat of the image of jealousy was, which provokes to jealousy. And behold, the glory of the God of Israel was there, like the vision that I saw in the plain. I think God shows Ezekiel his vision by the river Chabar and in the plain so that when he gets to his point here, seeing it in Jerusalem, he'll understand that is a vision of the glory of God in his presence. He wanted him to recognize what he was seeing. And so in the, this third one, in chapter 8, he is, he is transported to Jerusalem. He lives in Babylon. They're hundreds and hundreds of miles away, maybe a thousand miles, I don't know. And he brings him in this vision to Jerusalem. And there's a couple things significant. Note with me that when he got to the temple, and Ezekiel is a priest, he knows this temple very well, he sees the glory of God in the temple. 
And part of the significance of all of this story is that God opens up the eyes of the prophet to see what human eyes cannot see. The glory of God was always in that temple, but it is invisible and cannot be seen. God brings Ezekiel to that place and he shows him the same vision. This is God. God abides here, but there is something else that helps us with the story. That he also saw the image of of jealousy. What what is the phrase? He said uh, to the, the door of the north gate in the inner court where the seat of the image of jealousy was which provokes to jealousy. Hmm. When he went to the place where God's spirit dwelt, there was something else there. And we don't know exactly what it was, but it was an image. It had to be an image to a pagan god. Understand that when he got to the temple, there was probably an image that would have been to Baal. Uh, Understand, this was the place, the holy place, where God's spirit dwelt. But the religious leaders and the people had brought in and allowed an image to a pagan god to be erected there in the holy place. One of the things that we will learn in Ezekiel and in the story is that God does not share his glory with anything else. There is a point, and we will see it here in the next scripture, that God would say, if that is here, then I will not be. If that is what you worship, then you cannot expect my glory to reside in this place but God's glory dwelt there but they had brought in a symbol of their pagan worship Um, in chapter 10 verse 1 he continues he said and I looked and there in the firmament the air that was above the head of the cherubim there appeared something like a sapphire stone having the appearance of the likeness of a throne. He's already seen this. Then he spoke to the man clothed with linen and said, Go in among the wheels under the cherub. Fill fill your hands with coals of fire from among the cherubim and scatter them over the city. And he went in as I watched. Now the cherubim were standing on the south side of the temple when the man went in, and the cloud filled the inner court. Then the glory of the Lord went up from the cherub and paused over the threshold of the temple, and the house was filled with the the cloud, and the court was full of the brightness of God, of the Lord's glory. Now, This is the reason we're tracing this out, because what he sees is that the glory of the Lord resided in in the holy place, the holy of holies. But he sees that that the glory lifts and moves to the doorway. 
you understand we're, we're going out <laughs> this presence is moving out not in and notice at the end of that chapter in verse 18 it says then the glory of the Lord departed from the threshold of the temple and stood over the cherubim and the cherubim lifted their wings and mounted up from the earth in my sight when they went out the wheels were beside them and they stood at the door of the east gate of the Lord's house and the glory of the God of Israel was above them and what it describes and we'll see it in the next verses in chapter 11 is that the glory of the Lord departs out the east gate of the temple in chapter 11 verse 22 so the cherubim lifted up their wings with the wheels beside them and the glory of the Lord of Israel was high above them and the glory of the Lord went up from the midst of the city and stood on the mountain which is on the east side of the city then the Spirit took me up and brought me in a vision by the Spirit of God into Chaldea to those in captivity and the vision that I had seen went up from me so I spoke to those in captivity of all the things the Lord had shown me what Ezekiel sees is a vision of the glory of God that is residing over the Holy of Holies but lifts up moves to the doorway and then actually this is crazy but in about a week I'll be there it moves east out of the eastern gate this would have been very uh, sealed in their minds they knew where these places it went through the Kidron Valley and it went to the Mount of Olives the hill that overlooks uh, Mount Moriah where the temple is built the glory of God departs from the place that it had resided I wrote this on your sheets and you can see it but it is significant to see the house of God and the glory of God that came to dwell in there and your reference sheet you can look at that and look at it later but when when Moses builds the tabernacle the Spirit of God comes upon that what the Hebrews would have called the Shekinah glory of God they saw a visible manifestation of the glorious radiant greatness of God they saw it with their eyes and it, it, it it abided there when Solomon built his temple the second house of God it says in the scriptures there that when they dedicated that place that the Shekinah glory of God came they saw it in fact in Solomon's day it was so thick that the priests could not continue to minister before the God because God's presence was so heavy in that place but obviously the implication of the scripture is there was a short window when they dedicated these places of worship that they they saw the visible manifestation of the glory of God but after that time it was not it, it wasn't just that they couldn't see it the reality was is God's presence was still there and what God does in Ezekiel's life before the time of the fall of Jerusalem in the temple is he shows him a vision God shows the prophet what human eyes cannot see that the glory of God dwells in that place but here it is the prophets in Ezekiel day and the priests said oh the pagan people will never come and take this place because God dwells here 
God would never allow them to come in and level this place. Mm. What God shows Ezekiel, and we know this chronologically from his book, there was a point before the Babylonians came in 586 and destroyed the temple that God said, I was about to make some noise of how God's presence hovers like, yeah, I don't, I don't really know that. And the presence, the glory of God departs that place. And partly it was because of the image of jealousy that was there. But it was years that God said, no, my discipline is coming. And you're trusting that God will not allow his house to be desecrated. What God showed Ezekiel is, I don't live there anymore. I have removed my presence from that place. And what we know time-wise is that from this scripture to the next scripture that we will read, Jerusalem falls. I want you to understand that the holiness of any person or place is dependent upon God's presence. The holiness of any person or place is dependent upon God's presence. The temple was holy because God dwelt there. We are holy because God dwells here. The people in Ezekiel's day that lived in Jerusalem did not see with their human eyes what God showed Ezekiel with his spiritual eyes that the Spirit of God had departed and they presumed upon the presence of God that God would never allow the pagan people to come to that place but God had left and he shows that to Ezekiel do you understand big picture what God is teaching the people of Ezekiel's day and our day it is the presence of God that makes something holy. And when you remove the holiness, the, the presence of God, the structures, the activities, the things that we do, the places cease to be holy. And so, Jerusalem falls. And we come to Ezekiel chapter 36. The interesting thing in the book of Ezekiel, it's divided into two times, and it's the time before it, Jerusalem falls and the time after it falls. And he shows him the vision of God, and he gives him the words that condemn the sin of idolatry. It was the sin of idolatry that they worshipped other things that was so offensive to God. It was a symbol of their infidelity to their covenant relationship with God. After Jerusalem falls, here's the crazy thing. All of a sudden, Ezekiel reverts to a message of hope and restoration. <laughs> Before Jerusalem falls, it's all about your sin and the holiness and the greatness of God. 
But as soon as Jerusalem falls and it's like, okay, that was done. We, well, we trusted in a lot of things, but that didn't, that didn't work out the way we thought. And Ezekiel was telling them why. Ezekiel, and this is the reason this message is today, he begins to transition to say, no, but there is hope. And God is bringing a restoration. God will do a new work in your midst. And so he says in chapter 36, verse 22. Uh, this is just kind of some selective scriptures. Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, I do not do this, the work of restoration, for your sake, O house of Israel. This is such a phenomenal statement. But for my holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the nations wherever you went. And I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst. And the nations shall know that I am the Lord, says the Lord God. When I am hallowed, made holy, in you before their eyes. And here's what he says. For I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all the countries, and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. And I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart, and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. The judgment of God, God's discipline, was because your hearts are not wholly mine. And I am a jealous God and I, I do not share my glory with anything else. Then God said, I will remove my hand from you and you will, your people will be hauled off. Your land will be taken. The walls of your capital city will be knocked down. The temple that you trust in will be knocked down and destroyed. But after the 70 years, God says, I will restore you. What will he do? He will reverse all of those things. I will take the people from wherever they've been and I will bring them back to this place. We know when Byron will preach these sermons on Nehemiah, Ezra and Nehemiah, you will come and you will rebuild that temple and you will come and rebuild that wall and I will be worshipped in this place. I will restore all of that after the 70 years of discipline. But here it is. There was something more and we see it in Ezekiel. What about the glory of God? What about his radiant presence? Where will it be? What's going to happen to it? And the word that God, the prophet, sends to his people. And the discipline was horrible. It was bad. It was 70 years. But God said, there's actually something greater I'm going to do because you've passed through this. God says, my radiant presence will no longer dwell in a physical house, but it will dwell in you. It's a new work. I want to read this next story. It's the most famous one in Ezekiel. 
but I want you to understand historically. <laughs> so when they built the temple, there's this scripture that says, and the Shekinah glory filled that place. When they built the tabernacle, Shekinah glory. Whoop! That's what Shekinah glory sounds like when it invades a place. I'm sorry. They build the temple. Whoop! So thick they can't even minister. I haven't even talked to Byron about it. Zerubbabel builds his temple. There is no mention that the Shekinah glory dwelt in that place. But there are prophecies from the prophets of Haggai and Zechariah that someday God will come to that place. And we know that uh, Zerubbabel's temple is kind of, yeah, something happens and then the Romans take it over and Herod uh, expands it, renovates it, glorifies it. And in Herod's temple, which was started in Zerubbabel's temple, God himself in the person of Jesus Christ came. We're going to see this in just a minute. I'm kind of running out of time. Oh, boy. What it's going to say, this is so incredible, that the Shekinah glory left. God showed Ezekiel the prophet. And it goes out the east. And what the prophecy says is the presence will come from the east and will come through that eastern gate. And God will abide in that place. Partly fulfilled in Jesus coming to that place. Oh, I don't have time for all this. We ought to have some after time with this. Anyhow. But Jesus' triumphal entry comes across from the Mount of Olives. Kidron Valley into that place after he is crucified and resurrected 50 days later God sends his spirit he pours out his spirit on his people in that place part of the fulfillment of this an incredible picture the most famous vision of Ezekiel in Ezekiel 37 the valley of dry bones I just have time to read it this morning it says in Ezekiel 37 verse 1 the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley and it was full of bones then he caused me to pass by them all around and behold, there was very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again he said, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live, then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over. Uh, but there was no breath in them 
Also, he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open up your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. When I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. But here it is. I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. Hmm. God shows the prophet what human eyes cannot see. Ezekiel's message is that the presence of God's glory is more, than, more significant than anything else. They thought it was about the buildings. They thought it was about the activities. And I didn't have time to get to it this morning, but in the latter part of Ezekiel, there is a vision of a temple that will be built that is still future. And you can see it on your sheet. It is a future. It is the temple of the millennial kingdom that God will someday build. And God will dwell in that place. And he, His glory will return to that place. But what he, was, what he was saying through the prophet was that the presence of God's glory was more significant than anything else. They looked at the buildings. They looked at the activities. And they thought, this is all about God. But God was not there. And the point for us today, well, even in the story of, of, of the dry bones... The story is told in what such a way is that he prophesies and the bones and the sinews come together, but there was no life in that body. Because where is the life? The life is in the Spirit, the presence of God. And it's only as the Spirit of God comes upon that, that body, that place, that it is a holy place because it is a place of God's presence. We can condense down our Christian life and our walk to, to structures and activities that we do and we can think that God abides there, but God does not necessarily abide there. God abides, the prophecy of Ezekiel, in the heart of his people when their hearts are wholly his. When there is nothing else there. That is an image of jealousy. An idol that we look to for our life and our significance and our worth. The spirit resides where the heart is wholly devoted to God. More important than anything else. Then the structures, the activities, 
that we are engaged in is the presence of, of God's glory, which God ultimately fulfilled after Jesus' death and resurrection by the sending of the Holy Spirit that God did a new work and made us holy. And it is to be the very center and the thing that we look to as more significant than anything else in our lives is the presence of God and he dwells where our hearts are wholly his. This morning, our worship team is going to come and lead us in a time. Uh, I'm going to be at the front. Um, the altar is open this morning. I'll ask you to stand. Uh, the altar is open this morning uh, for you to come. Uh, I'm at the front. We may have students that have made decisions in camp that want to make those public to the church family. I'm here uh, to talk with you and pray with you and encourage you about that decision. So we invite you to come. Uh, and so, Father, today we pray uh, more than anything else for your presence to be in our midst. Father, I pray that you would, if necessary, you'd strip away all the things we look to to say that makes us holy. And Father, we would understand that regardless of what circumstances we pass through, whatever has happened in our life, whatever is there or not there, that the most significant thing as we walk this journey is your presence. And so Father, we pray that you'd fill us today and we would know your glory. And as we look up, Father, our hearts and our lives would bow down before you and surrender to you as holy yours. And Father, we pray this in Jesus' name.